Hello and welcome to Second World Problems, a world-building podcast. As usual, I am Morgan and I am joined by... Finn, the host of the show. Yes. Who I does only, not do the intro. I just do the intro. I am a mere guest. Thank well, you for letting me intro your show. You're my co-host. You're yes. an integral part of the show. Integral. Integral. Some You're the say... one person who actually showed up to the lecture. Yeah. I'm, I'm recording notes for everyone else. Yeah. Um, and you can access those wherever Morgan posts his notes. <laughs> All right. Um, so this week we're doing the Assassin's Creed franchise. Exciting. Well, select parts of the Assassin's Creed. Yes. We can't do it. We can't do it's it all. It's a lot. And so, this is just, we like Assassin's Creed, but also yeah. the new game got announced. So and hype. also we're playing it at yeah. the moment. So like. <laughs> replaying. Replaying. Oh, no, actually. The, playing. I, I was replaying and now I'm onto now ones I haven't playing. played. So I'm playing. Yes. So for this week, I am Ezio Auditori da Firenze. And I am, it's a me, Uncle Mario. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> That's so good, but also sad. Rip in peace. Yeah. That actually really... That was probably the worst part of Brotherhood. really annoyed me because it was the first five minutes. So like, I spent so long restoring the villa and then getting the yeah. armor and then they take it away from you. When you go straight from two to uh, Brotherhood, you're like, oh man, I just finished two. I had the, the villa was amazing. And then it's like, start of Brotherhood, villa's gone. It's yeah. like, oh. And so is your armor. So is the armor of Altair. Oh, and losing like everything is like, oh man, I just worked so hard yeah. to get that. I- and also, but also like when you go straight from like, t- uh, like two to um, Brotherhood, the difference in rendering is very mm. <laughs> confronting. You're like, oh, this is more like, like, you sort of get used to it in two, even though it's yeah, like not. It's 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 retro. Something. It's super retro, <laughs> in that it's it's old. But you sort of get used to it, and then by the time you get to rendering that, you sort of recognize. You're like, oh, this is. I know Brotherhood what this is. is so cool. much nicer to play. I, like I got used to two, and I was like, I remember first playing. I'm like, oof, and then I'm like, I got used to it, and then just switching over to Brotherhood, I was like, oh wow, this this is much better. Yeah. Um. So the world for Assassin's Creed is Earth, but it's alternate is Earth. It? Could be true. We just don't know. I don't think it's true. <laughs> but you don't think there's two secret brotherhoods out there of Templars and Assassins fighting for destiny of the Earth? Certainly not anymore. <laughs> Fair. And I definitely don't think there's a precursor race, or at least ones that designed us as a human slave force. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I'm going to say alternate Earth, but you're free to believe whatever conspiracy theories you choose to believe. Thank you. Um. Uh, just some sort of background on Assassin's Creed. I I just assume anyone who's listening to this episode is familiar, but Assassin's Creed is a video game franchise by Ubisoft, um, and it began with the titular Assassin's Creed with Altair in 2007. Um, in this episode, we'll be discussing the world building that takes place across the first game, Assassin's Creed 2, which came out in 2009, Assassin's Creed 3, which came out in 2012, with some tangents through Brotherhood and Odyssey, which was the most recent game prior to Valhalla's announcement. And your favourite. And my favourite. We're doing that mainly because uh, 1, 2, and 3, Brotherhood, um, and sort of very tangentially Odyssey have that connection to the main overarching storyline. So, I've also included a rank list of um, Assassin's Creed games, according to me. And um, people are probably going to be mad about this. But my favorite game is Odyssey. I love it. It's so good. But it also feels like it was made just for me. Um, and that's probably why. A lot of people probably don't like it as much. But I... It was I'm pretty well received from what I know. So. Big on big on the Greece. Big on, and big on Greek mythology. Love of the Greeks. And I just love Assassin's Creed because I get to just fucking kill people. Yeah. So good. <laughs> 
Um, and then it's Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, um, the most recent game that I've played. So first time playing through it, really enjoying it. And then I have Assassin's Creed 3, which is a bit, might be a bit more contentious. I know not everyone likes People that one. People do not like it. I don't mind it. I actually find that some of the mechanics are really good. I think that's like every time I talk about it is like, I love the mechanics in it. But then every time someone who says it's bad is like, oh, the char- I hate um, Connor and all this Why other stuff. Why would you hate Connor? And I'm like, I don't remember him being that bad. I just remember having fun I in this game. I quite like Connor. I just don't really care. F- like, I, I, the overarching sort of like, the, the Connor's story is not super, like, I don't really care about America yeah. being an Australian. But I find that Assassin's Creed 3 has a, like, Brotherhood has a lot of the mechanics that I like in Assassin's Creed 3, and yeah. that's why I like Brotherhood more. I want to play Assassin's Creed 3 again now that I'm more aware of, like, Hamilton. Yeah. And I want to be like, how, what is, how does this differ from what I know from Hamilton? Yeah. Um, and then Assassin's Creed 2, I do love Ezio. Um, and then it's all the games I haven't played, because there's a bunch there that I haven't played and probably never will. Black Flag, which is weird because it should be my jam, because I love pirates. I've put a lot of time into Black Flag. I don't cry or tear up much at video games or movies there's a moment at the ending of black flag that that got it got me i will often sometimes be like i need to feel it again and i'll go watch it on youtube this is the ending scene oh it's beautiful <laughs> i would really like to experience the story of black flag because i'm so here for pirates i just yeah. am but i suck so badly at the ship's mechanics in every game except for odyssey that i really can't play Black flag I think if you just it. put a bit of time into the ships at the start, you can then avoid it by just fast because, like, then it, the only time is ship mechanics is like on forts and stuff. Mm. And there's like a couple of missions where you have to get. Like, if you like grind it out at the start, there's a couple of bits, but then I think it's smooth sailing. I can't do it. Pun intended for the rest <laughs> of it. Um, and then my least favorite game is Origins. Have you played Syndicate? I feel like you'd be I into Syndicate. Syndicate. I liked Syndicate. It was like kind of like steampunk. Is that like, the one set in London yeah, with Evie? Evie and, and um, um, Jacob. Yeah. And you can switch between them. It was very cool. And they have got the Jack the Ripper DLC. I put a lot of time into Syndicate. I didn't well, hear a lot Syndicate of talk about it. Syndicate is higher on my list than Origins because it's part of the games I haven't played. Yeah, no. Syndicate is good. I didn't play Unity, but now that I'm doing the replay, I'm like, I do kind of want to experience, like, um, what is it, Revolutionary France as an mm, assassin. That would be cool. And I know that a lot of the issues about it got fixed. But this is a lot of game stuff. Let's move on yeah. to world building so stuff. So we'll move on to world building stuff. Now you know all our opinions on the game sides. Um, so in terms of invention, I've categorized it as low, our first low invention, but that's because it uses historical events, locations, and our world as a general basis. So they're making slight alterations to world history, but so much of what they do is so heavily based in what actually happens in our world and things that have happened in our world that, um, it's not diverting any yeah. any way from what we would expect. They take liberties with it, but for the most part, it's very similar to what it's we know. It's extremely... In some cases, it's extremely similar or yeah. exactly the same. Um, the overarching narrative of the precursor race is, I would say, the most compelling and significant alteration. But it's not... It's so minimal, I suppose, in the games as a whole that it's, it's not going to um, up the invention enough. Um, in terms of completeness, again, it's based on our world and our historical events. So the only thing that gives us more is the alterations. But it doesn't deviate at all from what we understand about our world. or It steals so much in things that already exist that there isn't, like, there isn't, a, it, there isn't that sense of richness outside of what we already understand. If we go digging, we're, we can go digging into his, world history and things like that, but we're not digging into speculative, speculative stuff. And in terms of like the concept of gods and the creation of humans um, are things that humans have been speculating about forever. So 
going into that doesn't intrude on yeah. our general conception of what this world is like and both the Saffirsons and Templars like, are real things. It's like, yeah, people believed in gods and this is just maybe one explanation of what the gods were. It's exactly. been happening before, like Stargate, for example, is like gods yeah. did exist, but they were just aliens from yeah, outer just, space. Yeah. So it's a, just a, it's been done before with yeah. like the, let's explain what gods were. Yeah. And there's so many iterations of that and like even explaining, even like gods were sort of, usually an explanation of the world like why do we get thunderstorms well zeus is up there and he's he's angry and he's gonna zeus throw or odin or odin Ooh. or um you're definitely Jupiter. i feel like let's let's address this now you're very you love the greek gods and i love the nordic not gods. necessarily i'm you, here you for a lot of gods the thing is that i know the most about the greek yeah. gods so they're the ones that i'll name drop because i feel confident <laughs> whereas um norse gods is something that i'm into but i know less about so like I could probably tell you a lot more about Thor and Loki than I could about Odin. Yeah, that's Or, fair. like, Freak or Freya. Although well, I know guess a bit what? About You're going to learn a lot more about him when Valhalla oh, yeah. comes out. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I mean, if it tracks with Odyssey, because um, Vikings are very, um, we know they have a lot of, like, beliefs about gods and mm-hmm. stuff. And the theme throughout the whole world of uh Assassin's Creed is that gods that's, are a precursor yeah. race. I think they're, they're definitely going to tie it in. Like I the, hope they do. It's because that's what I'm in. Like, I'm yeah. interested in how they they take those bits of that story, that overarching story, and put it into like different. It's things. also like I. So I haven't played the new ones, but I, I know the sense is like the the precursor race. These gods have they always seem like higher, but like they seem like sophisticated and like but like. Norse gods are a lot more rough and tumble, mm. and I feel like maybe we're going to see a different side of this pre- or like even like a whole different section of the mm. precursor race. If and that also, goes yeah, ahead. and there's a lot they can do, I suppose, with their with the idea of the precursor race in terms of their attitude to humans, because so many of the um, gods that get mentioned in this um, series, I think majority of them. I think Minerva's the only one in that we're going to talk about who doesn't. They all hate humans. So there is also a chance for there to be a different view if they have that in there. Maybe like the Norse gods are a bit more, uh, not necessarily liking humans, but maybe they're a bit more ambivalent or like there's... Yeah, it'd be cool to see Having them hate humans a lot, it's just... I would like to see them do something different. And with Valhalla, they're trying... It seems like they're trying something different anyway. Yeah. Anyway, That'd be cool. back, back coming back from the game talk and back into the world building, um, in terms of the consistency... Uh, this game franchise never departs from what we understand about the Assassin's Creed universe. So they get, each game is internally consistent, um, and then some take part in the overarching narrative. Different games do have more or less success than others, and people are going to engage with them according to what they, as individuals, jam to. So, for instance, not many people like Assassin's Creed 3. So because of that, anything that relies on a previous game needs to be explained because there is no guarantee the audience is going to have played that before. Um, so case in point is me. I have never played Assassin's Creed 1, um, but I love <laughs> Assassin's Creed 2. Assassin's Creed 1, I also didn't play it. I know a lot of my friends at high school played it and like I, because I, that was around the time when I just didn't have the, a console mm. or anything and then I just like lived off of the, like them talking about it and I love to hear them. And like when I was doing this replay, I was like... The Ezio, the Ezio, I'll get the Ezio um, collection. Mm. And then I'm like, do I go back? And I just think it's too old it's, of a game. Yeah, that I exactly. Just, and a lot of people like complain, like they say a lot of the problems were fixed in number. Like it's really mm. hard to play like with like the wall climbing and yeah. all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm just going to read about it and I'm just going to not go back and play it yeah. because it's just been too a little bit too long. So that is 
Yeah, I love the series, but I never played the first one, mm. much like you. I Yeah, and, like, the funny thing is, like, I played um, one of my other favorite game series now is Dragon Age. So I played Dragon Age Inquisition first, which is their most recent game, and its rendering is amazing. Then someone made a joke that, no, Dragon Age Origins, which is the first game, is where it's at. And the funny thing is I went back and played Origins. I could do that, but I can't bring myself to go back and play Assassin's Creed 1. I just can't. So, you know, it's just funny. But, I mean, I suppose Assassin's Creed has so many games, whereas Dragon Age only has three. So it's sort of worth it to play all of them. All right. Um, so we're going to go into the structural now, um, and we're going to do settings. So we're going to do so Assassin's Creed 3. No. Assassin's Creed 1 is set in the Holy Land during the Third Crusade. So it takes place from around about 1191 to 1193. It's a cool setting. That's one thing. It's like, I'm, I'm annoyed. I, like, I won't go back and yeah. play, but I kind of want to experience that. And it won't be as good because it's an older game. But yeah. maybe if they like redid like, a, let's go back and look at something that's happening. Well, I'll tell you. And I know Revelations does some stuff. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I might see about that. But it's a cool setting. It is a cool setting. Um, but I just think if... Like, it took a while for me to p- get used to the rendering for Assassin's Creed 2. I don't yeah, think I it's, could handle one. Yeah, it's a big one. jump. Um, Assassin's Creed 2 is um, set in Renaissance Italy, so from 1476 to about 1500. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is then set in the only place in Italy you don't go Not into. true. You go to Rome at the end of Assassin's Creed 2 on a heavy, heavily railroaded version of Rome. Very, very briefly. On a wall but and then you, into a castle, but it's still that's, Rome. That's basically <laughs> it, though. You, you don't really go there. You don't get to walk around. And that's set from 1500 to 1507. And then Assassin's Creed 3 is set in colonial America during the Revolutionary Revolutionary War. So from 1754 to 1783. And then Assassin's Creed Odyssey is way, set way during back. the Peloponnesian War, so 431 to 422 BCE to about 2018, <laughs> briefly at the end. Those dates I'm not entirely confident about because the um, Odyssey wiki doesn't set sets the birth dates for... Um, so because you can play as both Alexius and Cassandra, their birth dates should be interchangeable but they're not so cassandra has set birth dates and so does alexios but they're different it makes it very hard to That's match up the weird years. because they put cassandra as the one you're playing always something i don't necessarily agree with because i played as alexios but they then so the the dates are weird so it's that might not be extremely accurate but that's around that time in terms of rules they don't have that many which is reasonably fair, I guess, because a lot of the rules we would understand anyway. Um, so the main rules are humans were made by a precursor race of beings known as the Isu. The Isu also created the Pieces of Eden, which are powerful artifacts and weapons that augmented their already superhuman abilities, as well as forming the human race itself and mind controlling most of them. The second major rule of this entire world is modern-day assassins can relive the genetic memories of their assassin ancestors through a device known as the Animus. These genetic memories allow them to follow the lives of their ancestors as they went about their assassin business and locate a piece of Eden, which Templars want for their power over humanity. So that's the second major rule. Yeah. It's like an augmented, augmented reality device or like yeah. a VR that sends you back into a a time it's like yeah, a time travel it's based vr off your genetics <laughs> yeah it's like weird time travel vr where it's like we're gonna send you back into your 
ancestor's body yeah. and you get to it's it's very strange cool it's cool, cool concept and they don't ever really make you no, question it no. so you don't question it you're like genetic memory sure whatever yeah. um the third i suppose i suppose it's an effect of a rule as opposed to an actual rule but we don't have a medical area on this so i put it in rules um, so there's a disorder known as the bleeding effect, wherein the genetic memories of one ancestor, one one's ancestors begin to blend with the person's own real-time memories, often leading to difficulties in distinguishing between the two. So, for instance, Desmond um, gained combat, combat and free-running abilities um, of his ancestors, as well as the ability to use eagle vision through pro- prolonged exposure to the animus. And that was then followed by several hallucinations of his ancestors' memories outside the animus. However, Desmond was told as long as these visions didn't last longer than 30 seconds, he was fine. Spoiler alert, they do start going longer than 30 seconds. <laughs> and the fourth major rule, I suppose, is that there are certain pieces of Eden that are able to tap simultaneously into a ne- network of neurotransmitters located deep within the human brain, ensuring total obedi- obedience through means of r- remote mind control. However, some humans, known as the hybrids, um, which are the ancestors of the assassins, um, had been born without these neurotransmitters, which then made them immune to the pieces mind control abilities. So that sort of explains a lot of mechanics within the game yeah. when it comes to the assassins. Um, so inhabitants of this world, the main important one for, I suppose, a lot of it is Desmond Miles. So he's a member of the assassin order and a descendant of numerous familial lines that had sworn allegiance to the assassins. So that includes people like Altair, Ezio, Edward Kenway, and Connor Kenway. Um, he was raised to be an assassin until the age of 16 when he ran away from the assassin hideout and eventually was captured by Absturger Industries, which is run by modern-day Templars. And then he was forced to relive the genetic memories of his ancestors through the Animus to find the pieces of Eden. Um, so the AC, the Assassin's Creed 1 main character is Altair. So he was a member of the Levantine Brotherhood of Assassins during the Third Crusade. As with Desmond, he was raised to be an assassin from birth and became a master assassin at age 24. But then, you know, he fucked some shit up and got demoted. Yep. He was uh, too cocky and got some assassins killed. Yeah. And then had to make up for it. That's what always happens when you're a master assassin <laughs> at age 24. 24 yeah. is... You're as probably a 20, feeling pretty top shit. As a 24-year-old, can't say that I would not be cocky if I was a master assassin yeah. at this age. I hadn't mastered anything at 24, so I can't really say. I would say I'm a, I'm a um, jack-of-all-trades master <laughs> of none. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah. The Assassin's Creed um, set two main character is Ezio. Best character. Best guy ever. Just... Top dog. One of the few assassins who ever gets to retire as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Lives a lives to the good old age of like 65. Yeah, long, fruitful life for the time. <laughs> a rough time. <laughs> he had a pretty rough life too. Um, so he was a, uh, a Florentine nobleman during the Renaissance and unbeknownst to most historians <laughs> and philosophers, a master assassin and the mentor of the Italian Brotherhood of Assassins. He was a member of house of the House of um, Auditor um, or Auditorio. Ezio um, remained unaware of assassin her- his his assassin heritage until 17, which is when he witnessed the hanging of his father and two brothers, Federico and Petruccio. Oh, poor Petruccio. Petruccio was like 14. Yeah. And that's rough times. It never, it never really explains why their father tried, kept the assassin thing secret. Like, yeah. It, it, it was I like, think it, it was, was just a like a it was sort of like oh uh, when he's ready or yeah. when they're ready because I feel like maybe um Frederico might have known did he or yeah he, there's a couple of moments where you're like yeah. he knows something um, but there's like 
the whole thing is like, oh, I never knew all about this. And it's like, I guess there's just weird politics going on. But then, like, as yeah. soon as you know, it's like, no one's hiding this. Like, everyone says no. assassin all the time. And well, yeah, like- it's like that if you're in the know, you're in the know. But if you're not, you don't know anything. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I think it was just sort of, yeah, he was trying to navigate the politics and sort of sort it out before he told Ezio, but it just didn't yeah, work out. Because there was way. stuff going on with like in, yeah. in uh with Florence, there was always Florence. politics and stuff going on, and so many people just got stabbed in the street yeah. <laughs> um for having the wrong opinion. So Assassin's Creed 3, the main character is Connor Kenway. I've not I'm not going to try and pronounce his native name, although um I do love it when they say it in the game, but yeah. it's very difficult for me personally. And then, um, so he was a master assassin assassin of the colonial brotherhood of assassins during the period of the American Revolutionary War. So he was brought, born to British temp- Templar Haytham Kenway and trained under the mentorship of Achilles Davenport, the last of the colonial assassins. Um, according to the wiki, Connor seeks out uh, Achilles at age 13 or 14. But during the game, I definitely thought he was at least 16. Yeah. The Kenways are an interesting family mm. because... Um, Edward, the pirate, can we? Yeah, kind of just stumbles how, into. How's he related? So, so what happens is, uh, Edward Kenway mm. is a uh, just a pirate, and he kind of like accidentally uh, ends up stealing an assassin's mm-hmm. robes and gets involved in the assassins, mm-hmm. and ends up doing a lot for the Brotherhood and becoming uh, an assassin mm. and doing a lot in the Car- Caribbean before mm. he um, moves back to England because he mm. had a wife and daughter, mm. but they were issues going on the wife died and he had to collect his daughter and go back to england where he was in england he kind of retired and he had a daughter and a son mm. with a new wife and that son was uh haytham, haytham kenway okay, yeah. who uh becomes a, becomes a templar and kills his father very oh, sad damn which is not the ending you want to have for edward because i love edward so much and so yeah haytham becomes a templar and then goes to America, has a son who, who then becomes, becomes an assassin, assassin. which is a lot for a family that weren't even born into. Like, yeah, Con- they're, they're uh, Edward not... just stumbles into yeah. it, and then they, he they have this. He becomes an assassin. He wasn't born one. And then their family has, like, such a, like, crazy. It's that weird. It's wild. Yeah. It's so wild. So, um, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is also Ezio. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you can play as Alexios or Cassandra. So the storylines swap depending on which sibling you play. However, the wiki, like many people, puts Cassandra's hero and Alexios's Demos, and I don't like that because I played as Alexios, and I will not stand for this absolutive slander of my podcast. I've read a lot of people that like, like that think like Cassandra playing as Cassandra, you get the most out of the story, and like Alexios is fine, but you're like hundred percent like Alexios. Is I I know. I just I I really enjoy playing as Alexios, and I don't like that people automatically like the storyline swap and i don't like that people are like no cassandra's the hero i'm like no they're both the hero or the villain depending on who you play and i just look so is so when you play as cassandra alexios is in it and when you play as alexios cassandra's in it they're just different roles yeah they swap so that's so weird so either if you're playing as cassandra alexios is a villain if you're playing as Alexios, Cassandra is. A That's villain. weird. Like I figured, like they'd, if they were in the game, it'd just be like a, a friend, like a partner, no. like Evie and Jacob almost. No. But that's so weird. I, I'm actually interested to see that now. Yeah. So that's why I get really annoyed because people are like, no, Cassandra. I'm like, but it depends on who you play. They're swapping roles. Like the roles are the same. It just depends what names attached. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I don't know. Everyone's like, oh, Cassandra. But like the fact is, I played as Alexios because in my heart I know that if I was in ancient Greece. My true form would be a male biosexual disaster mercenary. <laughs> and, and that's, that's my truth. Yeah. So I played Alexios to live in that truth. That's fair. 
Like I like I would enjoy playing Cassandra, but not as much as I was like, no, this this guy. Yeah. I don't know what I'd do because the only experience I've had playing a female assassin was Evie mm. in um Syndicate. And you kinda I kinda spent a bit of time in both mm. Evie and Jacob, but I think I for a lot of the missions I like to go because like Evie was stealth, Jacob mm. was a bit more rough and tumble. Uh I think I did a lot of missions as rough and tumble. So it's like maybe this is the game where I play full as a female assassin. I think but you know. Um, if I played again, I play as Cassandra this time, just so I. Well, have you want both. the difference, like, exactly. If I had the time to play it twice, I'd I do also both, think but... that Cassandra is rendered really nicely within the game. So I think, like, sure, it's fun to run around shirtless as Alexios, and I did have a great time doing that. But Cassandra looks good, so like, it, like either way, I don't see how you lose because you're playing. And when, as a really and when you're assassin. killing people, what you want above most is to look good doing it. Yeah, you want to look. You want to be murder, but sexy. Yeah, sexy murder. Sexy murder. It's a good band name. Uh, so, um, Alexios and Cassandra, depending on who you're playing, are also known as the Eagle Bearer, West Wind, or Keeper, and they're, a, they're either a Spartan mercenary who fought during the Peloponnesian War, or Demos, a member of the Cult of Cosmos, who are the bad guys. Um, they're the grandchildren of King Leonidas of Sparta through their mother Marini. For opposition against the cult, they're considered one of the early precursors to the Assassin Brotherhood, because the Cult of Cosmos is like a precursor to the Templar Order. Yeah. Uh, the bad guys in um, these games, so in Assassin's Creed 1, it's literal Templars. So the Templars are the bad guys across the whole thing, but in Assassin's Creed 1, they're actually Templars. Because that's where it kind of, yeah, the name sticks. Yeah. Because that's where the first one That's where, where all, all the happens. conspiracy theories come from. Yeah. Is from the original Templar order. Um, Assassin's Creed 2 is the Patsy and the Borgia. So their historical families both have period dramas that I'm going to recommend later on um, when we get to history. Um, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is the Borgia again. Uh, Assassin's Creed 3 is Haytham Kenway and Charles Lee and sort of Britain, I yeah. guess, but also America. Like, it's like a, like a <laughs> subsection within Britain yeah. and a subsection within America. It's weird. Yeah. Because it's during that time. It's, it's during that time. And Assassin's Creed Odyssey is the Cult of Cosmos. So now we're going to talk about the precursor race, so the Isu. So the Isu are an ancient and highly advanced species of humanoid beings who are active on Earth during the eponymous era several is that men- a real era I don't or is know. that just made up didn't for this check that one <laughs> that's this is from the wiki um several millennia before the rise of even the most ancient human civilizations their history is sh- shrouded in mystery obviously these who ruled over earth roughly seventy-seven thousand years ago before they were largely wiped out alongside their human cl- creations during the great catastrophe great catastrophe which is um, a coronal mass ejection from the sun. Um, by that point, the Isu had been in a decade-long war with a human rebellion led by two hybrids, Adam and Eve. Minerva, an Isu, um, an Isu and member of the uh, Capitalian triad, stated that her kind came before humanity and were responsible for the creation of Homo sapiens as a capable and docile workforce. workforce. The Cap... Cap... T- Capitolin. Capitolin, thank you. Triad, um, which is actually a real thing, but that consists of Minerva, Jupiter, and Juno. And there's uh those three or mainly Minerva and Juno are featured heavily across Assassin's Creed two and three. I feel like two, it doesn't really happen till the end. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, that's kinda cause two was when I was reading is when everyone kind of they, that was when they dropped what the game was, what this yeah. overarching narrative was. Everyone was like, yeah. that ending in Assassin's Creed 2, what? Yeah. Like, that was when they dropped the bomb that, hey, there's a precursor yeah. race. And yeah. Like, yeah. 
But like that's their introduction, so it yeah. does feature heavily because it's like the first. I remember. I know there's a lot in three because a lot of your out of um, animus experience is oh, following you, you, the oh, ghost of Juno. of Juno around the shrine. Yeah, and that's a lot of my experience. And even like back then, I was like, I don't know what this is. Like, only recently I've been doing backstory, and I'm like, oh, they're bad. Yeah, because that experience with Juno, she's kind of guiding she's you. She's bad. She's yeah. a bad person. And then like it kind of sums up with the ending of that yeah. game, like because that's where it all ends for Desmond. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah. So. <laughs> Um, then in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you have Hermes Trismestig- Trismestigus. Um, I haven't practiced that pronunciation. I'm sorry. I would just call him Hermes. Um, so he was an Isu craftsman and the high scientist and engineer of Persephone, who was later revered by the ancient Greeks and Egyptians. His beliefs and philosophies eventually influenced the foundation of an ancient religious order called the Cult of Hermes, which then led in turn to the Cult of Cosmos. So he's the one for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. In terms of actual history there's a lot and i'm really excited to share it with you um so assassins so the word assassin is assassino assassino is from oh um, i love the quote there's like this moment in brotherhood when you rescue uh katarina Sforza, and like she rides off back to Forli to be with her children and she like has this one line that she yells out and then Ezio repeats it and it's just like it's like victory to the assassins but they say it in Italian and it's just super Sounds cool. beautiful. It was yeah it's you're like yeah victory to the assassins but then Ezio repeats it and he's like kind of sad and you're like oh it's just a really nice moment. Uh, some of their cutscenes are just really artful I find which is good because you can't skip them which is what I do in everything <laughs> including Dragon Age where what you say to people actually matters. <laughs> It's, yeah, I don't hate watching the cutscenes. So, assassin, um, the word is um, from around about the 1530s, and it comes from a mixture of medieval French and Italian, so you get assassini, and it's from originally the Arabic hashashin, which is an Arabic nickname. Um, you variously explain, so people consider it to have different origins, but for the most part, it's for the Nizari Ismaili sect in the Middle East during the Crusades. I'm only familiar with Hashashin from uh, the Prince of Persia movie because mm. they are the bad guys. Hashish. So it comes from Hashish, which is the poppy. So it's cannabis. Um, but so, so there's people that get high and kill people. No. So that's what they want you to think. So the from so from the source of Hashish. The Hashashin were a fanatical Muslim sect in the mountains of Lebanon at the time of the Crusades under the leadership of um, the old man of the mountains. In Western European mind, they had a reputation for murdering opposing leaders after intoxicating themselves by eating hashish, but there is no evidence that they actually used hashish. It was most likely a, a, a derogative nickname for people of the area who were like, those guys are bad. So they would call them like, it was sort of like an insult to call them Hashashins. Yeah. Um, so the assassins were powerful from um, 1090 to about 1256 AD. The, of this, the generalization of the sex nickname to a meaning of any sort of assassin happened in Italy and in the Italian language around the start of the 14th century. And then it sort of grew into the word that we understand now, which is to um, mean anyone who kills for money yeah the templars and this is directly quoted from the introduction of the templars by dan jones i love dan jones he is the coolest historian ever you know he has a tattoo of a castle in his arm yep you've told me like, before he wears leather jackets he looks super cool. young 
He is one of my favourite historians. His documentaries are always really Making history cool again. Hell yeah, he is. Along with Susanna Lipscomb, Lipscomb, who does do talk, like she has a really good documentary on witches and she has a nose piercing. They often work together. <laughs> They're my two favourites. But he has a book that's all about the Templars. So this is from his introduction. So the Templars were holy soldiers, men of religion and men of the sword, pilgrims and warriors, paupers and bankers. Their uniforms emblazoned with a red cross symbolized the blood that, Je- that Jesus Christ shed for mankind and that they themselves were prepared to spill on the Lord's service. The Templars were founded in 1119 on the principles of chast- chastity, obedience, and poverty, but they soon grew rich and influential. Their order was a product of the Crusades, the wards instigated by the medieval church that took aim primarily, although not exclusively, at the examination. Islamic rulers of Palestine, Syria, Asia Minor, Egypt, Northwest Africa, and Southern Spain. The order helped finance wars, loaned money to pay king's ransoms, subcontracted the financial management of royal governments, collected taxes, built castles, ran cities, raised armies, interfered in trade disputes, engaged in private wars against other military orders, carried out political assassinations, and even helped make men kings. Even in their own lifetimes, the Templars were semi-legendary figures featuring popular stories, artworks, ballads, and histories. The order, however, was suddenly dissolved in the early 14th century, an end which involved mass arrests, persecution, torture, show trials, group burnings, and seizure of all Templar assets. Within a few years, the order was shut down, wound up, and dissolved, its members accused of a list of crimes designed specifically to cause outrage and disgust. The end came so suddenly and violently that it only added a Templar legend. The use of Templars in the Assassin's Creed franchise does get a small shout out in his introduction um, from Dan. Um, Among the list of things that Templars have been presented as in works of fiction, he mentions time traveling agents of global conspiracy. Sound familiar? (laughs) While we're on uh, Templars, did you, I watched like the first few episodes and I fell off, but now I'm thinking about it. I need it. Yeah. Did you watch Nightfall? I did. I watched the whole first season. It's worth watching. Yeah, it was good. I also saw recently that Mark Hamill is getting involved in the second or later season, which made me even more hyped for it. So yeah, I I think that's a good Templar story. I don't know. Is it accurate? No. No, I probably mean, not. I mean, but the, it's like it'll be like a drama and a yeah, period drama, and who doesn't love those? It's also like, what is it? The the Holy Grails in it? Yeah, so. the Holy Grail. So like, <laughs> but like it's also like, but well, that was a real thing they believed in as well. So like, it's like the Templars feature heavily in Assassin's Creed, mm. and then uh, the History Channel made a TV show about it. Yeah, and then the new game Valhalla looks very similar to the Vikings, Vikings. TV show, <laughs> also made by History. So maybe there's a yeah. bit of a something going on there. Maybe who knows? Um, one of the things that. It's so funny because it's not, they have nothing to do with each other. But when he says, you know, they, they ran cities, raised armies and specifically interfered in trade disputes, that always makes me think of Star Wars and the Phantom Menace. <laughs> Just because of all the politics. Because of the, because of the trade dispute. <laughs> Imagine if they had a like cult in Star Wars called the Templars. It's all connected. Well, I mean, the Templars are probably more like the Jedi Order. Yeah. Like, as they originally were. They'd um, be like, yeah, the Jedi Order, they were like, if the they Jedi were like, Order got out of control towards the yeah, end. Yeah, they, orig- they were a religious order, and they were dedicated to yeah, good. It was, it was just Crusades. that they got was... very rich and then had so much power. And not everyone likes it when one when a religious order has lots of power. So they were like, no, nah, fuck those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's where the Templars come from. They're not... I suppose they're not the bad guys. They're, they're a very good bad guy for everyone to have, but a lot of the the things that we think of to do with Templars, aside from the Crusades, uh, are more to do 
with what happened with their dissolution and all the charges that were brought against them, which majority, I would say, most likely had nothing to do with reality. Because there was still a religious order and they were still dedicated to their ideals. They were just a militaristic one, which makes them a target for things like that. And they had lots of money and were connected to the Pope and every single, like, ruler in Europe had something to do with the Templars because they also ran banks. Well, that's also the thing. It's kind of like the one of the reasons why people may not like them is if you're a ruler around Europe, and like you have allegiance to the Pope, but if, if an army has mm. allegiance to the Pope, that would worry you because yeah. like, they're not all there. I need to suck up to the Pope because he has this army. Yeah. Or like if I go against and do something for my cut, like exactly. it's, it's worrying. And they're also as bankers, that meant that they would also like potentially own your loans. Yeah. So, yeah. They it had is, at the time, they would have been a very scary... Very, very na- scary, like, very You don't powerful. want to get the Templars involved. You're like, yeah, nah. And, like, uh, Assassin's Creed 2 also has a bit of that with the Patsy Conspiracy. So, um, the Patsy Conspiracy happened on April 26, 1478. It was an unsuccessful plot to overthrow the Medici rulers of Florence. So, you do get that a bit in the game. You get to play... Was that is that specifically the mission outside the church where they killed the brother, mm-hmm. one of the Medicis, and then you yep. saved the other one? Yep. yep. So, um, it was the most dramatic of all political opposition to the Medici family. The conspiracy conspiracy was led by the rival Patsy family of Florence. So, they were both banking families. So, the Medici were the um, bankers of the Pope and the Patsy wanted basically to be the most powerful family. But the Medici, because who they were and they had like Lorenzo and prior prior to that, their grandfather Cosimo, they had... Um, lots of power and influence and they were extremely good at their banking jobs. So the assassination attempt um, was on the Medici brothers, Lorenzo and Giuliano. It was made during mass at the Cathedral of Florence. Um, So Giuliano was killed by Francesco Pazzi, but Lorenzo was able to defend himself and and escaped with only slight slight wounds. Um, Thanks to the help of Ezio. Yeah, if you believe Assassin's Creed. And then the other conspirators in the plot tried to gain control of the government, but the people of Florence rallied to the Medici cause and the conspirators were brutally pursued and many, including the Archbishop of Pisa, were killed on the spot when they were found. Um, So it was like a huge thing. And that's a lot of that, like that is in the game. And you sort of then have to round up all the Patsy conspirators and subsequently assassinate them all. Yes. (laughs) So that's actually based, that's all based in real stuff that happened. Um, Medici, which is on SBS On Demand, has season one and two, and it covers Cosimo, who's the grandfather of Lorenzo, and then season two is about Lorenzo. So season two direct deals directly with the Patsy conspiracy. It's a very good show, would recommend. So going to the only place you don't go in Italy, you don't go into Assassin's Creed 2, otherwise known as Rome. This has to do with the Borgia family. So the Borgias are super famous in history. Um, Rodrigo Borgia became the Spaniard. Mm, the Spaniard um, became a cardinal of the Roman Catholic Church and later Pope Alexander. As cardinal and pope, Rodrigo fathered a number of children by his mistress, which is sort of a no-no for a pope. He's, uh, but as a pope, he had widespread public support and was capable, diplomatic, and skilled. But he was also rich, hedonistic, and concerned with ostentatious displays. So he, he was like, he was quite a capable, good pope. It's just that he also had the worst traits of a pope. He was also time. had a flair for the dramatic. Yeah, to put it um, lightly. So um, he had two sons and a daughter. So Juan Borgia um, was, I think, his older son. I'm not sure uh, which one is older, but. One was assassinated, so it doesn't matter, and his course was thrown into the Tiber River. He was 20, and no one knows who did it. 
Then he has Chege- then there's Cesare Borgia, son of Rodrigo, was widely believed to have killed his el- elder. Oh, so it is. Yeah, Juan is older. <laughs> so widely believed to have killed his elder brother Juan in a fit of jealousy. In a fit of jealousy, well, he's also rumored to have bedded his sister and embarked. A- and he did actually embark on a campaign to slaughter and conquest, um, aiming to basically make his own kingdom out of northern Italy. So he did actually do that. Whether or not he bedded his sister or killed his brother is up for debate. <laughs> So they're his two sons, and then there's Lucrezia Borgia. So she's also obviously the daughter of Rodrigo. She was a patron of the arts, but became famous for her skill at political intrigue. I stole paintings from her house. Yeah, same. (laughs) Yeah. There was also, on Stan, the Borgias, also a period drama, very good, would recommend. The most, I suppose, famous incident, whether or not it's real, if any of it actually happened. Um, but the most famous incident from um, Rodrigo Borgia's time as Pope Alexander is the Banquet of the Chestnuts or the Ballet of the Chestnuts. So it refers to um, a fate or a... Festival? N- not No, not really. It was just a good night. Um, so sort of like just a, just a good night. <laughs> it was. It's sort of. It was sort of like a ball, but not. It was like a, it was a really good dinner. It was I a guess night on the town. Yeah. No well, a you night, had a few uh, people uh, over. A night in the house. <laughs> you know, just a dinner house party, potluck dinner. I guess. How many people did he have? He didn't ex- uh, exceed numbers, did he? <laughs> for isolation. Well, he didn't. They weren't in isolation nah. back then. That's so, fair. You got and me they there. had very big houses. Um, their palazzos were quite oh, large, so they were easily able to maintain a social distance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, although they didn't. <laughs> anyway, uh, and you'll find out why. So um, the the main part of this Ballet of Chestnuts was a supper held in the Papal Palace by Cesare Borgia, son of the Pope. Um, 50 prostitutes or courtesans were in attendance for entertainment of the guests. Um, after all the food was eaten, lampstands holding lighted candles were placed on the floor and chestnuts strewn about. The courtesans' clothes were auctioned off. Then they and the um, then basically the prostitutes crawled around naked between the candelabras and picked up the chestnuts, and the way they picked them up is exactly what you're thinking. How they picked them up, they did not use their hands or their feet, but rather something else. Oh boy! Immediately following that spectacle, members of the clergy and other party guests um, engaged the prostitutes in what prostitutes do best. And then according... Pick up chestnuts. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and potentially other sorts of nuts. Ha-ha. Uh, I feel awful. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel dirty after I that do. one? Um, according to um, basically an account sort of from around the same time or based off accounts from that time, uh, prizes were offered and they included silken doublets, pairs of shoes, hats and other garments for those men who were most successful with the prostitutes. And then according you get to a prize? A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, according to other another source, servants kept score of each man's orgasms for the Pope greatly admired virility and measured a man's machismo by his ejaculative capacity. Oh, boys will be boys. <laughs> he also refers to the use of sex toys. However... The previous account doesn't make any reference to that. So, like I said, whether or not this actually, like, what happened there, we don't fully know. We know something happened. We know though. something happened. And we know that it probably involved chestnuts um, and prostitutes. But, you know, the the actual happenings of the orgy, orgy I don't think we have a reliable account of. But um, 
that will give you a good idea. Uh, so it's not a completely true story. But the fact that it has persisted does say something about the Borgia and the Pope. Is that a specific story featured in the TV show? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. It is. They did it. They, they well, well they didn't. They didn't like it's a TV show. They're not going to show yeah, but like, the the actual they, picking they of put the chestnut. Their, they were like, "This is how we interpret the story." They were bold enough to be like, "We think it happened, and we think this is how it happened." Yeah, yep, I do remember watching that scene. So, um, Rodrigo and the Borgias have become infamous for corruption, cruelty, and murder. Um, so, uh, Rodrigo was also accused of buying the papacy, so buying votes in order to become pope and things like that. But what he actually did as Pope is not exactly original. Other there are other popes who've been naughty, naughty boys. But he just he took things to like a to a new level, rarely seen in Pope history. Um, and if you want to watch a really good episode that goes through a couple of different naughty popes, "Ruining History" by BuzzFeed on Amazon Prime has an episode on popes, and it does include Rodrigo Borgia. Yeah, while we're on it, naughty popes, another good band name. <laughs> Naughty Popes. That is amazing. Um, And again, you can watch the Borgias on Stan and I do recommend. In terms of like colonial colonial America during the Revolutionary War, there's plenty of history in there, but I also, it's not my sort of history that I care about. It's not my jam. And most people already know something about America's separation from England. And we did sort of talk about it a bit last episode They threw as well. the tea in the water. Their Boston Tea Party. Yeah. Yes. And there was Boston Massacre. And also it was George III, if you remember him from last episode, Mad King George, who lost the American mm-hmm. colonies. They say. Yeah. So. Um, Jonathan Groff. I mean, if you want to know more, you can always watch Hamilton and let Lynn take you to school because it's coming to Disney+. Plus. It's coming to Disney+, Plus, which means it'll also be coming to musical on this network. So Hell yeah. If you want to be on that episode, let me know. Sure, sure, whatever. <laughs> don't mind us, we're just doing some forward planning. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't have, like, if if you're interested, I would hi- like watch Hamilton. I think Hamilton, even though it's a musical, does give you a fairly good... I feel like I know more about it simply because of listening Play to Play Assassin's musical. Creed 3. Yeah, and, and watch Hamilton. And then if you're good. curious, go digging, but it's just not... My, it's not really my jam. And I don't know, I think there's... If, probably not accurate. There's some stuff about it in National Treasure. <laughs> I think. Don't know if it's accurate or not. Uh, yeah. The Declaration of Let's steal the Declaration of Independence. I don't know either. <laughs> um, I don't think so, though. I very much doubt it. But hey, if you want, go watch. I'm National pretty sure Treasure. National Treasure actually deals with the Templars. It does in the first one. Yeah. So you know what it covers, but it's it's somewhat tangentially related to also, this episode. It's Nic- Nicholas Cage and National Treasure, which is just yeah. We used to watch it all the time. Yeah, it's. I mean, I rewatched it recently. It's a good movie. I should rewatch it. It's, and then they. The Delightful. biggest sin in number three, they set up a third one and with then they, Paige, whatever, and they never made they it. They never made it. Yet. Well, I Do you want to come on an episode of Pitching Ten? <laughs> <laughs> Where we pitched National Treasure 3? Yes. Interesting. I'm writing it down. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so in terms of language, I put mixed because it is mainly in English, but I appreciate the games always include bits of the character's native language. And if you put the sub- subtitles on, which I do, they include translations, um, which means that if you're playing any Assassin's Creed 3 or Brotherhood, fuck is okay if it's in Italian. They're allowed to say it. And they say bastardo as well. Yeah, and also whore. Yeah. There's a lot of swear words that they get around by saying them in Italian, which it's I do appreciate. It sounds so much nicer in Italian. So many swear words, but I do, I do enjoy having the subtitles so I can understand what they're saying. All right. There is a bit of mythology in the Assassin's Creed because we are dealing with a conception of the gods as a precursor race. So we have... 
Minerva, who is a Roman goddess. Any of the Roman gods are closely associated also with the Greek gods. However, they have a prehistory prior to that, where they um, probably came from um, a culture prior to the Romans and therefore were more individual as opposed to just um, mirror of the Greek. But because of time and syncretism, they're now close, so closely connected to the Greek that most people consider them more or less the same. So Minerva is the Roman goddess. So she's the daughter of Jupiter. In Greek mythology, she'd be the daughter of Zeus and Metis, who is the Titan goddess of wisdom. Uh, Minerva is closely associated with Athena, who is her Greek counterpart. However, she may also um, originate from the Etrus- Etruscan goddess um, Menvra, and that her name der- derives from like mimesis, meaning to remember or to copy. Um, she was born from the head of Jupiter, and the- she was first worshipped in Rome as one of the. Morgan, can you remind me how to say that? Which one? Oh, the Capitoline? Yeah, Capitoline triad, along with Jupiter and Juno. So that's real. The ca- the Capitoline triad that they include in the Assassin's Creed games was a real thing that was worshipped in Rome. I love the hyperlinks because I'm now learning all about the Etruscan civilization. Yeah, I just... I was like, I don't know. I don't recognize that. What is it? Apparently it originated in Italy. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. Well, it's Rome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Roman Empire, Roman. I always... <laughs> there's always a separation in my mind, like Italy and then Romans. Yeah. And I'm like, no, they're the They started the in same. Italy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So... The well-known attributes of Athena, which do sometimes cross over to Minerva, are a helmet, shield, spear, and owl. Um, the cult titles of Athena, which may apply to Minerva as well, are goddess of the bronze house, worker, shining-eyed, city protector, and front fighter. Generally, Minerva is not as closely associated with war as Athena is, but she is still associated with it. So Jupiter, so he was king of the gods, same as Zeus, so he was the son of Saturn, the supreme god associated with thunder, lightning, and storms. He is most often portrayed with a long white beard, and his symbol um, was an eagle atop a scepter, which he carried as he sat upon his majestic throne. So the sky, sky gods are, like, super common in all mythologies because people want to know why the sky do stuff. Yeah. Why it up there? Why it drop on us? <laughs> yeah, basically. And wet. Um, so the attributes of Zeus that Jupiter may share are the thunderbolt, lightning, and eagle. And the cult titles for Zeus that Jupiter may share are Guardian of Oaths, Mild One, Stormy, Guardian of Friendship, Guardian of Hospitality. The reason I say may share is because the text that I get some of these from is a textbook that I got in my classical mythology class when I went to Canada um, and studied overseas there. And it is mainly focused on Greek mythology. So it has... So it will say like Zeus and then in brackets, Jupiter. So everything is done in terms of the Greek as opposed to the Roman. So I don't know if if, if all of them will exactly carry over because I'm not as familiar. Because Roman is so similar, I'm not as familiar with the nuances in um, the differences. Fair. I love that cult titles for Zeus has a weird crossover with uh, my same order for Indian food, which is mild one. <laughs> Funny. And then Juno. So Juno was the Roman goddess who is associated with Hera in Greek mythology. So she protected um, the nation as a whole, but also kept special watch over all watch over all aspects of women's lives. And sort of love and marriage is one of her main aspects, I suppose. Same with Hera. Um, so you know, wife of wife of big king god. 
Wife of Big King God. Wife of Big King God. Another good band name. Deals with aspects of women's lives. Generally also has something to do with the idea of keeping things together. Because, you know, even though their marriage was so bad, Hero and Zeus never divorced. They were still together. That's <laughs> They just took their revenge out on everyone else. And Zeus slept with other people to make her angry. Yeah, and then she destroyed those people's lives Yeah, in revenge. Like Medusa. She wasn't like, Zeus, this is shitty of you. She's like, no, I'm going to turn you into a cow for sleeping with my husband. Yeah. And then she was like, how do you like that? You <laughs> slept with a cow. <laughs> Healthy relationship. Um, yeah, absolutely. Goals for everyone to live up to. Uh, so attributes of Hera that may be shared with Juno, Scepter, Crown, and Peacock. And cult titles, Argive, Bride-to-be, and Fulfiller of Marriage. And then in Odyssey, they have Hermes, Hermes Trismegistus. Trismegistus. Trismegius? Trismegius. I don't know. He was the founder of her- Hermetism. So... Is that where you live in a cave? (laughs) No. (laughs) Hermetism was something else. According to Florian Ebling, the writer of The Secret History of Hermes Trismegistus Hermetism from Ancient to Modern Times. What a title. (laughs) It was actually really interesting. He is a a legendary Egyptian sage, which arose from the merging of two deities of highly divergent origins. So the Egyptian god Thoth and the Greek god Hermes. And therefore he does, he's not a real person. He's like a he's like a figure that they made up, and they were like, "Oh, let's smush these two together." So he's also not the Greek god Hermes. So they the Hermes Trismegistus and Hermes are not the same, and he's not real. So um, in from the article, Florian says this new Hermes, this Hermes Thos. Thoth was more than the sum of his parts. However, he took on a new life and from the second century on was graced with the epithet Trismegistus, the thrice great. His double descent from his father's Hermes and Thoth is reflected in the confusing legendary multiplicity of his functions and attributes. So he was uh, skilled in, I suppose, language and writing, religion and music, astronomy and techniques of physical training were all traced back to him. Um, He even advised important gods such as Osiris, as was the tradition he acquired a noticeably human form living among men and functioning as their teacher. This lord of reason and rational speech was viewed as the forefather of all wisdom, philosophy, and theology. An Egyptian priest was uh, supposedly instructed Democritus, Plato, Pythagoras, and some other guy in the knowledge of Hermes. Eudus? Eudus. Eudus. Greek names, man. We're always going to be struggle with the pronunciation. Yeah, unfortunately. So that actually, if you play um, Odyssey, that sort of makes a little bit more sense that they chose him, because and also that he's not actually Hermes. So like it, also, it all sort of ties together. Um, they made a good choice. He is re- supposedly responsible for the Hermetic texts, but obviously he didn't actually write them. So Florian says those who held Hermes Trismegistus to be the author of a text believe that Hermetic tradition embodied a knowledge inspired by her by by like him. So there is little reason to doubt that the authors of Hermetic writings were convinced that they were passing down an age-old divinely inspired knowledge or that the compilers thought they had found the writings deriving from the authority of Hermes. So it wasn't that he wrote them. It was the idea that he was like whoever wrote them was like a conduit for him. It's sort of like, um, and this was an example that was used in the text, in a lot of the Greek epics, they, especially with Homer, they begin with the line, like, sing, O muse, 
which is like an invocation for the muse to then move through you to then um, you tell the story, but it's like it's coming from the Above, heavens itself. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a it's like divinely inspired. So even though he didn't write them, they were like, but he was the author because I was working. He was working through me to make this. So that's who he is, um, and he's in Odyssey. And honestly, it would be cooler if he was the actual god Hermes because he's my jam. It's weird that they make that distinction in Odyssey. Well, it makes sense when you play the game because it like the Peloponnesian War and like all this sort of stuff you deal with is so much to do with politics, but also with theology and philosophy. Like you get to meet like Socrates and all these other people, and he's the one who is held accountable for their instruction. So like he didn't like he's not like teaching them, but like the idea is that he's inspired all this all the philosophy and theology from this time period or is at least somehow involved in it. So that's why they chosen him. But it would just, I just really like Hermes, <laughs> the Greek god. Um, hence why I have a tattoo behind my ear of his caduceus. Of his stuff. The stuff, Hermes. Which is also the most well-known medical symbol it in is, the world currently. It is. It's incorrect. Yeah. Um, so the, the stuff of Hermes has nothing to do with medical stuff. Hermes is not. A medicine god he is like the god of thieves and travelers and you know he brings people souls to the to the underworld and he's like you know doing that sort of stuff and so he has nothing to do with medicine however the staff of hermes is a rod with two snakes on it with wings there is also what's called the staff of asclepius now asclepius is a medicine god he's the son of apollo who is the god of medicine and plague and he was so good, he brought people back from the dead. And the gods were like, you can't do that. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we I'm pretty sure they killed him. Like it. Pretty sure they killed him for it. But he was like a well-known. He just bring himself back. It's fine. Well, no. <laughs> Once the gods kill you, you're usually dead. Um, but then, yeah, they were like, oh, I feel bad. So they like made him like a minor deity or something. And then he stopped interfering and bringing people back to, the, back to life from the dead. Um, but his... Symbol is a staff with a single snake on it. So I think people were just like, but the ones with wings and two snakes looks better. (laughs) It's just marketing and branding. That's all it is. So now we get to philosophy and I don't have much for this one because like I was thinking about it and I was like, what did the Assassin's Creed Creed games say? And here's what I came up with. Freedom versus power, control and order. And And so this is what the games say to me. Vengeance and redemption. History is rad. Yeah. I think the first one is really what it is. It's because they do they do set up like for a lot of it, um, freedom and power, mm. Templar assassins, good bad, control and order. Mm. But they also like it's kind of really well done because they play with that. Because I haven't played it, but Rogue, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Assassin's Creed Rogue. You play I as, know about it because you play as a Nazi. Don't you, you play no Rogue. You play as oh. Shay Patrick Cormac. No, it's made no, after Black Flag. It's set sometime after, and he is an assassin. I mean, an assassin turned Templar. Because he had a, he was told to go fetch a, a piece of Eden. Mm. That, I don't know what it was, and it results in like an earthquake that destroys a town. Oh. And he finds out that the assassins knew that would happen, so it kind of does this whole flip thing uh. where, and it's cool because they play Isn't with that this one idea where that you play as a Nazi. 
There is one we play as a Nazi, okay. but that, I don't I know which one that sure. is. I think there <laughs> I was is. like, God, if that's if there isn't one that's like that, one. where did that come from? It might be one of okay, the mini cool. games, I think. Cool, cool. But yeah, so it plays with this idea of like for this whole time we've been told like it's like freedom versus power, control and order, good versus evil, and these are the ones. And this is where you kind of see the other side where the Templars maybe not as bad and, and the what, assassins are a bit bad. You also it's have to think that um like the Assassin's Creed, like their actual oath. What what is it? Um Every, something nothing uh, yeah everything something is everything is permitted it's like nothing is true or something yeah let me permitted. look it up uh yeah so the assassin's creed or maxim is uh nothing is true everything is right, permitted nothing is true yeah is and you think like that's pretty ballsy that's yeah, a pretty like well that's the thing statement it's it's so broad that you're like um you'll get to this but you'll find in a lot of things that have oaths by which they live so you think like jedis also have an oath sith to some degree also have an oath every single radiant in the stormlight archive which you're currently reading they have three or four oaths that they take and they're always they're usually fairly specific they give you like a set of guidelines in which to go nothing is true everything is permitted is so broad that you like it's not the games do a really good job of mate, fooling you into thinking that assassins are good. But you think about it, they, they're murdering for a living. Yeah. Like, that's not good. Well, if I, and their creed is so broad that it's like, to some degree, they're sort of saying, like, everything's permitted, you know, what, like, the ends will always justify the means. Yeah. I, don't, I think this is from the movie, but they also have the oath that we work in the darkness to serve the yeah, light. Yeah, to serve the light. Which is, which is more, more Which is more good. Yeah. But, like, the games don't really have that. They just have the... That everything is permitted and like that's a it's a very broad yeah. power statement isn't it and it's like it, it could you could apply that to the templars as well and it wouldn't mm. change anything it's literally but it just so happens what they're fighting for like it yeah it comes down to what the, the real creed is, the, is, is that like fr- is freedom free and control free yeah, will, so free and, then will and then control control and order it's yeah that's what i think that first point is what it comes down to between the two mm. um and i factions. included vengeance and redemption because i was thinking about it and so many of the main storylines, or, or like so many of them, start on an arc of vengeance. So like Ezio aven- has to avenge his family. Yeah. Um, Alexios has to sort of avenge his family in his own way as well. Alexios slash Cassandra. Um, I haven't played Altaeus, so I don't know, but I assume there's some sort of vengeance involved because it seems like quite a large theme. But then there's always this aspect of like also seeking redemption for something done wrong. Yeah. So like. Uh, like Alexia slash Cassandra, they seek redemption for what they did as a child that they perceive, like that basically got them kicked out of their of their country yeah. and also potentially killed their sibling. And then Ezio, it's sort of like a, it's like a redemption for, for being almost so blasé about yeah. everything prior to this, even though he didn't know anything about it. But it's like he's trying to make up for the time that he, he lost in, in not knowing who he yeah. really was. Um, and you sort of get this, like, it's not redemption in the sense that we often think of it, but I think there is, like, this sort of journey towards um, trying to not just find yourself but find the light, I guess, yeah. in a way. Like, find the the more that that they lost when yeah. potentially they lost their family or something like that. I think 
because it can change because there's multiple games it can change mm. from game to game i think that is like you've picked up on two that are throughout like even black flag is kind of different but it's like it's still got vengeance in there at moments it's got this redemption of a character because like his whole narrative is like he's pushed into it and he kind of is doing everything for the wrong reasons mm. but you see him start to change the way he and like um, the way he does stuff and like he goes from greedy to like he mm. wants to help but like the beautiful thing about that is you see like the sacrifice at the end he kind of like the beautiful moment mm. is he sees all the people he's lost along mm. the way and it's sad but it also like it he sees them like I lost them for the wrong reasons but I also lost them for the mm. right reasons to become and change my mindset and it's it's a super cool moment. Like that is like the I'm only reason I think people should the like end end cutscene for if, Edward Kenway. If maybe even just try and find like a like a shortened version of his story because like mm. you like he basically you play you make all these friends and mm. you slowly like lose them all Aww. or like say they get taken away from you or they it's and it's like some powerful moments in there and then the ending is like is re- he's redeemed he's got he's no longer greedy and he lost some of these people because of the person he was but also these some of these people in their sacrifice showed him the person he could be mm. it's really cool and i think vengeance and redemption is sounds a, beautiful it, it is <laughs> and like i know the ship stuff is shit but the story there is cool so uh, I, yeah, the I'm best way to do it see if you can find like a a video that does it all mm. um but i think vengeance and redemption is a good broad term of like covering all of them they all yeah have this. they all have aspects of that and there's yeah. all like because they're all going on a journey yeah um and it's usually like the fact is that when you go on a journey you usually find out shit yeah about i yourself. think another broad one you can just chuck in there is change mm. like they all change like the person they were at the start is not the person no. they are at the end which is like a hero's journey is usually yes. that. but i think when you play it, because it's a video game, it's a bit more profound. Yeah. I also think that potentially don't notice as much. But, yeah. like, it, like I, I think Assassin's Creed 2 is really good at, like, hitting you with those moments. Because it's, like, the the timeline is so, like, you don't think about the timeline. But it's so, like, well, I really noticed. And I was like, holy shit, when I was playing it. But he's 17 when his parent, when his dad and his brothers die. It is a year of training with Uncle Mario, and then he goes back to Florence. Yeah. And then, like, the next huge time cut you get, it's been 10 years, so he's 27. And the next big time cut, he's 37. You don't notice, but, it yeah, it jumps around a lot, and, like, he gets older. He does. It's interesting. Because it feels, like, condensed. Like, did yeah, this all happen exactly. in one year? But it's like, no, this is a feud this over is like a long over 20 period of time. Because, yeah, he goes, like, there's a point where he goes to, like, Cyprus or something, mm. For like or like yeah. that he misses him, so he goes to Cyprus and comes back, and yeah. it's like, how long was that for? Like, yeah, and yeah, so they just give you like these, like you don't think about it, but everything is happening in like areas of about like ten, ten, like all the major events is happening like areas of ten year in ten year lots. Yeah, and you're not thinking about it because Ezio looks the same when you're controlling him. It's only when you get the cutscenes that you're like, oh shit. Um, and then again in Brotherhood, he's he's he does look physically older yeah and, and then, then you get like your revelation where he is proper yeah. like old gent and you get silver like silver fox you in um brotherhood you get like the the um when you do the broken heart things with christina vespucci you actually go back into Ezio when he's about 18 that was real i'm like what is this stuff and then you go back and i'm like oh, whoa this is a jump back yeah damn I was like, oh, I vaguely remember her from the start of number two. Like, I think she was around. She was. Yeah. He was the one. uh, Hers was the room he was jumping out of. Yeah. So, Um, I was like, when I first did that, I'm like, broken heart. I'm like, what is this? And then I'm like, oh, damn, this is a flat. And I'm like, I don't understand. I think this is just more about his character development than anything else. Well, I've only done the one. Ezio is the only one who gets. So, he's the only one who gets like a a love life that you see on screen, I guess. So, like, it's about. Because he 
doesn't get to he doesn't get to keep Christina. Christina dies, I'm pretty sure. And then he marries I someone else. I think her name is Sophia. I'm getting that from the end. I've watched like the end cutscene from Revelations because his speech is so good. Highly recommend actually, even if you haven't played it yet, which I haven't. But Sophia is the name like he uses. Um, he he like he sort of like gives this whole speech to Desmond, and it's so good. I think I've seen it maybe once a while ago. It sounds familiar. Like yeah, it's his it's his legacy speech. So I think he marries someone called Sophia. So it's it's his it's how he gets because like it's how he gets to like I suppose to retire and have children. Yeah, is you have to go through Christina first, who is his his first love, I guess. Yeah, and then he has to lose her as well. You also sense. like bring up in that. Part. We're, we'll get a, we'll move on in a sec, but like he talks about like he has gives this big legacy speech to Desmond, mm-hmm. and like he's the only one that truly knows that he's a conduit. Yeah, like because he has that first one, he knows that he's it, everything that's happening is mm-hmm. kind of not meant for him. Mm-hmm. He knows that he's doing this as a as like a message deliver for Desmond, yeah. and he kind of, it makes him kind of above everything at yeah. some point. He's like, I know, like people are like, what does this mean? He's like, it's not meant for us. Yeah, and that's he says that at, um, at the start of Brotherhood, and you're like. Yeah, like you, you. It's sort of wild that he gets it so quickly. Yeah. Because I, I know it's insane what he's seen, but like it's wild to be like, no, like it's this isn't ours. Yeah. It's not. None of this was ours. Um. But yeah, he's he he has a moment where he talks about that and he's like, it's just like his legacy speech is so good. Best character. Yeah. In the entire series, I just he's, one of the best video game yeah. characters that I've had the honor of being able to play. Yeah, he's so I don't know. He's very um. He really gets you into the story. Like he's such a good, he's like a, such a good conduit for yeah. the story. Um, but he's also so charming and also sort of rakish and you're like, oh yeah, it's yeah. here. So um, my, yeah, the last one is just history is rad because it, they, they use so much of our actual history and you think that it's sort of wild that they were like, yeah, let's base a video game around like Renaissance Florence. And we'll give a nobleman the power to be an assassin. Yeah. And he'll save, he'll be the one who stops the Patsy conspiracy. It's just wild. Some cool ideas in there. And they're like, the, I think they've been very smart. Like putting in Renaissance, we haven't touched on the character, but you get, you befriend Leonardo da Vinci. Mm. And it's a well-known thing among, I, I assume it's well-known. He did have a lot of these inventions and stuff mm-hmm. that he jotted down. And like the ability, like, well, maybe he made some for the assassins. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like such a cool playground by people. Yeah. I think they did themselves a real good service when they picked renaissance italy for mm. two and brotherhood and like yeah it's a good yeah it's a really it was good the renaissance it was setting. the enlightenment yeah. like people were d- discovering things developing also things. so yeah so much was happening yeah. at that time i i also want to say i'm um, going back to the point we're just talking about about love lives just so you know it's yours i said it's was the one who actually he gets he's the only one who gets a prolo- prolonged love life odyssey you do get to like you get to sleep with people, but you can't actually have a relationship, which I find is actually one of the parts I don't like about the game. What I love about um, Dragon Age Inquisition is that I get to have a boyfriend in the game. <laughs> like I have a boyfriend outside of the game as well, but I like that. Like they're like, here's 15 people. You can romance all of them, but you can also like, if you want, you could marry one. And I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah. And like, they're like, some of them have sad storylines. And I'm like, I'm not here for that. My hero deserves a happy ending. He deserves someone who will be with him forever. <laughs> I love that. Whereas in, in Odyssey, it's just like, you just have some flirty lines. And I mean, yeah, I'm all for that. But then, you know, they kiss and the screen goes dark. And then he wakes up and they say goodbye. And I'm like, but what if they, like, met each other again? But what if they, like, really clicked on another level? Yeah, like, what if... Like, they don't have to come back in the game. I just need an option to be able to say, like, 
you want to stick around? You know, like we we have something here. I was just I just enjoy games where I can romance people. Yeah, that's, that's why Dragon Age, Dragon Age games are so good because they're just like, yeah, you can sleep with people, you can romance them, you can marry them if you want. And I'm like, yes, thank you. I will do <laughs> I all, all of the that. options. I will do all of that um, with as many characters as possible. I will only marry one, but I'll sleep with lots before I get there. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to playing Odyssey now, mm. and, I'll, I'll, and I'm I'm still looking forward to Revelations, and I'm still enjoying Brotherhood, and I just don't have the time for all this, but mm. it's it's good fun. One of my um one of my friends were talking about Assassin's Creed because I I'm replaying same as you, um I'm playing the Etsy collection, and he's currently playing Odyssey I think for the second time. I got really annoyed because he was like, oh I'm only like he I he was like oh I'm only medium on board with Odyssey, and I was like. How dare you? <laughs> I was like, Odyssey is a great day, great game. How dare you say this to me over over Messenger? Like, if you said it to my face, Sam, we would. It's that would favorite. be it. It's your favorite. It's my well. favorite it's game. Hard, yeah, it's so it. good. It hits on so. Like, even when I play it, and I'm like, I don't know, I feel a bit this. I'll still be like, I'm enjoying it. I won't. I won't be honest to you. <laughs> You'll be get mad at me. No, it's fine. Um, I'm probably gonna can, like it. You though. can have Let's your own it. opinion. It's fine. It's just uh, yeah. I just really like Odyssey. I also want to point out that in the show notes, I've included a recipe. Uh, yeah, this for, is the one I'm like, what is, why is for this? For Borgia coffee. Mum used to make this with her friend Lucy. And it's basically just a fancy mocha. So it's like half coffee, half hot chocolate, but you have whipped cream and cinnamon and orange. It's delicious. And it's just wild that the Borgia was so famous that when they made a really decadent coffee they were like oh what should we call this they were like borgia coffee <laughs> i mean it's all that branding Borges. gotta um, name it after yourself so yeah and that's for everyone to enjoy those who drink coffee that will be in the links in the show notes yep. uh there's a bunch more there if you would like to learn more about the borgias the templars yep. assassins coffee it's all the stuff where, yeah it's just where you if you want to like if you've heard me say something and you either want to prove me wrong because i'm incorrect i doubt it but maybe um, or you're just like, hey, um, the Templars are like super cool, and that guy Dan Jones sounds really chill. You know that now you know, like what the name of the book is and who wrote it. Yeah, because um, like, how else are you going to remember the book is called The Templars and by Dan Jones? Well, you don't know. You might have you might have a blank and suddenly be like, what's that called again? That one about the Templars and of with the guy. Instead of listening to this whole thing again, you can just go. You to can the just show go to the show notes. Um, yeah, I'll, I've saved you so much time. <laughs> Um, and then it's just like, if you want to look more into like Hermes, what's his face? The name that none of us can pronounce. Trismegistus. Trismegistus. And <laughs> um, there's also the paper on that, which talks more about him. So if you're just like interested and want to keep looking, there's like all the links for all the stuff we sort of talked about. Um, because I, I pick and choose sort of the most interesting parts to include. But, I mean, it's you know, your show. Stuff. That's fair. There's always more. Yeah, and there's a whole paper on the origin of assassins as well. Sweet. Well, uh, thank you for listening today, listeners. And uh, Finn, thank you for letting me uh, talk about assassins today. I, I I assume you wanted to too, but I, oh, yeah. I, I was excited to talk about it. Especially Delightful, because like, it's how much of this was actually world building, how much was devoted to game talk. I'd like, because you got to admit, it was I probably it was mostly a, game no, talk. Look, I think we managed to maintain an even 60-40. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's a delight to cover a game that we've both played and both know something about, but is also like so rich in terms of what goes into it. Yes. 
It was it was a delight to be here today and to share all this with our lovely listeners. Well, until next time, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, yes, watch out for them assassins. Yeah, what you know, you gotta watch, watch out, out for, for the, the Templars, Templars. Um, and also again, so many things for you to watch about these things: Borgias, Medici, read the Templars. There's so much to do. And uh, yeah, remember, nothing is true; everything is permitted. This has been a Spiky Trap Radio production. For more Spiky Trap Radio content, please head to spikytrap.com. <laughs>